Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning. My name is Olivier Maris. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer, and I'm going to start today's episode by giving you an overview of the recent market activity. U.S. inflation figures dominated the headlines yesterday, slowing down less than expected at 8.3% year-on-year. This is higher than the anticipated 8.1%. Most markets participants now expect the U.S. Federal Reserve to further tighten its monetary policy and execute another jumbo interest rate hike of 75 basis points next week. Of course, this worries investors that the central bank could stifle the economy with too tight of a course and trigger a recession. The print sparked a broad-based sell-off on Wall Street, with the S&P 500 losing 4.3%, with all sectors posting a negative performance. It is also the worst day for the index since June 2020. The tech-heavy Nasdaq lost more than 5%. U.S. Treasury surged, with two-year yields soaring 18 basis points, currently trading around 3.75%. And 10-year yields rose 5 basis points, trading just under 3.5%. This is around a 30 basis point gap between the rates, deepening an inversion in what is generally considered a recession warning. In Europe, shares traded positive up until the US inflation data, with the print carrying down the Eurostox 50 at minus 1.65% for the day. Let's now briefly turn to currencies, because we've seen a lot of market action there as well. A gauge of the US dollar posted its biggest rise since June 2020, with the Euro US dollar now back below parity. The GBP US dollar dropped to 1.15, although some further volatility is expected for the pair, with UK's August inflation print just in this morning. Consumer prices rose 9.9% versus an expected 10%. And the US dollar Japanese yen, whilst close to touching the 145 level yesterday, gained back some ground this early morning after it is reported the Bank of Japan is conducting a forex rate check, a move considered a precursor to intervening in the market. And in China, the nation extended its currency defense by setting its reference rate for the one with the strongest bias on record. The People's Bank of China set the fix at 6.9116 per dollar, 598 pips stronger than the average estimate. Now swiftly turning to commodities, gold dropped yesterday at 1,700 US dollars an ounce, the biggest drop for the commodity in two months. All steadied with Brent currently trading over 92 US dollars, and in the digital asset space, with markets in strong risk-off mode yesterday, tokens across the board fell. The largest Bitcoin is back trading just over 20,000 US dollars. With that said, what can we expect for the day ahead? US futures are steady, whilst European contracts are lower. In Asia, stocks are tumbling, with the Nikkei and Hang Seng over 2% lower. The CSI 300 is over 1% lower. Inditex and Vinci are among companies scheduled to report earnings. And expected data include Finnish and Swedish inflation. As mentioned earlier, the UK's inflation print was released earlier this morning, rising 9.9% year-on-year. That's all for the market wrap. I'll now hand over to David Cohn, Chief Economist, for more insights on yesterday's US inflation print. Over to you, David. Good morning. So what went wrong uh, with uh, yesterday's uh, inflation print? Um, US inflation had been already uh, noticed, had been reported, had declined less uh, than expected. Um, Main reason was actually uh, the rent component, uh, which is uh, at least uh, like one third of the inflation uh, print. The other components uh, and the main driver why inflation is coming down, namely energy prices, but also food prices, that was uh, in line with expectations. We knew already uh, that gasoline prices in the U.S. uh, 
will decline and have declined in August, uh, but will also decline probably most likely in September. So this is the component which fulfilled expectations. It was really the rent component which is still lagging uh, the rolling over of the inflation dynamics. Uh, we expect going forward uh, that here also some peaking uh, in these dynamics uh, will happen in the months to come. A uh, simple reason is here because house prices are also not rising at the same speed as in the past. Uh, so here from the inflation trajectory going forward, uh, we think uh, that inflation will indeed confirm its rollover. Nevertheless, it was important for markets uh, to see uh, a more stronger uh, decline of inflation expectations to allow actually the Fed to slow the speed of monetary policy normalization and monetary policy uh, tightening. Uh, we think this is now uh, really not possible. Uh, we think the Fed has and to deliver now this 75 basis point rate hike uh, on its next meeting on September 21st. It will be the third uh, large interest rate hike. Uh, and this is, of course, uh, making life not easier for financial markets and also for the economy. That means uh, more headwinds uh, going forward. Um, nevertheless, we think uh, the Fed is under this public pressure here to address this high inflation rates. We have adapted our own forecast to expect now 75 basis points and then only be able in November meeting uh, really to slow this pace of rate hikes uh, and not uh, already in September. Going forward, what we expect from inflation, we think that inflation will still come down, uh, in particular the headline rate. Uh, noticeably, we have seen, uh, of course, that uh, core inflation, which excludes uh, these volatile components like food and energy, this has increased. Uh, no wonder, because here the weight, of course, of rent inflation is even higher. Uh, we expect that this core rate, um, which excludes this volatile component, will roll over uh, much, much later uh, in the year uh, due to and, and will be very much driven uh, by this rent inflation, uh, which is driven very much by house prices with a time lag going forward. And here we expect the peak only uh, in the beginning uh, of next year to happen. So bottom line is here, inflation remains a topic, uh, remains a, a negative topic for financial markets, uh, keeps the, the Fed here on pressure uh, to hike rates further uh, than we have previously anticipated uh, and uh, a headwind for financial markets. That's all from my side. Back to you. Thank you very much, David. Now over to Philip Lienhardt, Head of Equities Research, for an update on equities. Thank you very much and good morning, everyone. The earnings season is over now. Uh, the last few weeks, the analysts have been able to look through all the numbers and see where they want to be positioned in each sector. I just want to give a quick wrap up of the earnings season and then where we see opportunities going forward. Now, the earnings season was better than, than many had feared, but many of the problems that companies were talking about will continue to be an issue in the third quarter as well. We see margin pressure, we see input cost inflation, we see supply constraints, and we also see a slowdown in demand going forward. Overall, the outlook was rather muted by the companies in most sectors, but as I said, it's not as bad or it was not as bad as feared. So coming to the individual sectors, our analysts went through their whole coverage and tried to find where it's best to be positioned in the oil and gas sector, which is a star performer this year, 
uh, valuation remains attractive, particularly in Europe. We see good value there, but we also caution that our view on the oil and gas prices is rather cautious, and this could be a headwind going forward. In the material sector, we prefer companies with pricing power and broadly stable volume growth. We keep a balance of cyclical stocks and defensive stocks to be ready for the rebound if and when it comes. In the diverse industrial sector, we focus on a mix of cyclical and structural growth opportunities. Also here, pricing power is an important component, which helps to offset inflationary pressures. And then also, of course, successful supply chain management and solid finances. On the consumer side, on the one hand, we like luxury goods companies. They have very high gross margins and are able to protect their profit margins. On the more defensive side, we look at companies with strong brands in the staples segment. We also see good demand uh, in the sanitizing products area. This has stabilized after having a strong tailwind during the pandemic. In the healthcare sector, we really like large cap pharmaceutical stocks. They are defensive, they have high free cash flows, and they're not affected as much by rising input costs. On the medtech side, we're a little bit cautious, but we also there see resilient earnings growth. Moving on to the financial sector here, we try to avoid um, companies that are driven by capital markets, such as investment banks, and we try to focus more on segments that benefit from secular growth trends, such as electronic payments. In the information technology space, we like the market leaders who have consumer price index linked pricing, such as software companies, they are able to pass on increasing costs. We're more cautious on the consumer electronics side and on the semiconductor and semiconductor equipment side. In the communication sector, the online advertising giants will have to digest another couple of months of much weaker growth trends, but valuation have already reflected this. In the utility space, we see attractive opportunities, especially in European companies with high exposure to the energy transition. And last but not least, in the real estate sector, we are mindful of the effect from higher rates and inflation on real estate values and cash flows. We see a trend to virtualization that continues, and we also see a shift away from office demand and greater demand for logistics assets. And this is all from my side, back to you. Many thanks, Philip. And with that, we conclude today's episode of the Movie Markets Podcast. Thank you very much to our speakers and thank you all for tuning in. We do hope that you join us again soon. Goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.